Hello and welcome to Global Sanctuary for Elephants' brand new podcast, Global Rumblings. Global Sanctuary for Elephants, or GOC for short, is a non-profit organization with a mission to create vast safe spaces for captive elephants where they are able to heal physically and emotionally, often from very traumatic pasts. I'm your host, Nadia Mari, and I'll be taking you to the lush jungle of the Mato Grosso region in central Brazil, home of GSE's initial project, Elephant Sanctuary Brazil. Currently home to six female Asian elephants, lovingly referred to as the girls. So here we are again. Scott, Kat, hello, and welcome to the second episode of our brand new podcast, Global Rumblings. How are you? What's it like in Brazil? Make us envious again, at least on my half of the world. It's always perfect. No, it actually is almost always perfect. And we have a lovely view looking out into the valley where it's raining somewhere off to the south and you can see for miles. So that's quite nice. It's pretty spectacular. We actually were joking last night um, with Ingo. It was 23 degrees and we were all cold. Uh, you know, so it's just, it's luxury yeah, yes, problems of living in paradise it really is spectacular so, uh, we'll try to make you envious every week okay we'll take take knock off 10 uh, degrees from that because it's like 13 here today well it is now in the evening uh okay so last week we uh, talked about the elephant sanctuary in tennessee and now we're going to going to move on so 16 years you co-founded global sanctuary for elephants in 2013 so you were then actually in Tennessee for 16 years, running the sanctuary there. And on your website, I read that um, when you founded or co-founded Global Sanctuary for Elephants in 2013, you would come together with your founding board members to discuss elephant or captive elephant health in South America. So how come the shift from America, from your sanctuary in Tennessee to South America? What was happening in South America at the time that your focus was shifted? <laughs> well, so many things. A small question again, and, a small question again. And just for clarification, when we talk about it being paradise, that is not 23 degrees Fahrenheit. That was 23 degrees Celsius. <laughs> uh, there, uh, you know, elephant sanctuary at 23 degrees Fahrenheit wouldn't work very well. Um, um, no, it yeah, wouldn't. A lot happened. You know, you know, there's so much that happened in those 16 years. And life-altering things happened in those 16 years in, in Tennessee and really changed, I think, the world's perspective on what elephants needed and what was possible. You know, as we talked in the last episode, our colleagues said, hey, you're crazy for doing this. It's never going to work. And within a few years, we started seeing changes with the elephants that no one ever, never, no one could have anticipated. Um, and it returned to those natural instincts and natural ways that just again, open up the minds and hearts of people around the world to what is capable with, for these elephants in captivity. Um, you know, we still have people now that will say elephants don't, won't adapt to a wild setting or to a, a semi-natural setting. They won't know how to, how to graze. They won't know how to socialize if they've been alone for 50 years. None of that's true. And the elephants, have, the elephants are really the ones that showed us what was needed. 
And that's one of the big things. I think a lot of people think it was this altruistic view of what sanctuary for elephants looked like. And it wasn't, you know, what it started out as thinking a hundred acres was enough for elephants turned into having an elephant who supposedly was never going to run or play going to the back of that hundred acres. The first day she had access to it and looking at the property on the other side, as if to tell you, well, where's the rest? I mean, it, you know, it wasn't a human idea. It started as trying to figure out what would work, but all of the teachings of the elephants is what essentially defined what sanctuary came to be and what we both understood that sanctuary for elephants is when you give them a voice and listen to what it is that they're actually trying to say. And, you know, we'll, I'll get back to your question in a minute <laughs> about how we got to Brazil, but I, I think it's important to say because you know you sure? I, I know it's important <laughs> to say um, a big thing for us in those first couple of years Nadia was the realization of how deep the damage is to these elephants in captivity we didn't knew it was bad we mm. knew it was horrific we had experienced that that trauma experienced the the face value of the trauma but we hadn't seen the depth of which that trial that trauma seeps into their soul until we saw the depth of recovery, the amount of transformation, the magnitude of change that happened when these elephants, when you gave them the space that is theirs, when you allowed them to be, to reconnect to the world around them, when they allowed them to explore what they are and, or who they are and, and what they should be as elephants. And that really defined for us the importance of carrying this work forward. Uh, I think it also showed why it's so important to share the details of their journeys with others because we know for ourselves that comprehension only came through seeing what they went through and while it's easy to be puppies and rainbows and post cute photos of elephants all the time and talk about life at sanctuary as if the second they step off of the trailer everything's healed and life is wonderful but it's not the reality and it doesn't allow people to understand the depth of trauma that they've suffered and how embedded that becomes in their life and how healing isn't linear and it's not perfect and they have struggles and only with understanding that do you really i think are people able to relate to the depth of how affected they are by some of the things that they that have happened in their life like someone who's in an abusive relationship you know, your next partner could be wonderful and could be the most beautiful person, but it doesn't mean that you are in an emotional place to be able to open up and trust and have the life that, you know, could come from something like that. So it is part of why with Global Sanctuary for Elephants and Elephant Sanctuary Brazil, we do try to be so transparent and share the bad with the good because only through that do we feel like people can actually understand not only the elephants as individuals, um, but what their life prior to sanctuary has actually done to them on every level. Is trauma or healing from trauma from with elephants similar to um, humans overcoming trauma? I read once somebody said, I don't know who it is, I'll have to check that. Um, hu uh, elephants are the better humans. I mean, they're, they're sentient, they're... Um, they live in big family structures. They mourn their dead. 
you're intelligent, um, all the all these wonderful traits that we uh, we love elephants for, and yet we treat them so badly. Um, it, but is this this trauma getting over their past? Is that something that can be compared with with how humans get over a trauma, and thus making a bridge and making people understand that visiting elephants in zoos is not um, good, is not you know conservation. I think there's definitely a level of understanding that comes with it now. We have, one of the really nice things is our supporters, our sanctuary family, as we call them, are very open and along with being very loving and respectful towards the elephants, they also share a lot. Um, They share a lot publicly on social media and you do have people that say, you know, I was in a relationship for 15 years with an abusive partner and I got out of it. And since then, I haven't been able to be with anyone because of all of the baggage that I bring into a relationship and all of the fears that I have. And watching Lady and how strong she is, even with everything she's gone through, has given me a different perspective on things and has encouraged me to try and to realize how strong you can be, even when the terrible things have happened to Mm. you. So what are you looking at? (laughs) (laughs) Just for the visitors or the listeners who don't know, Lady is one of the elephants at the sanctuary in Brazil. So it's that there is definitely that emotional connection that I think people are able to make and allows for a deeper understanding. You know, it's not about anthropomorphizing what they go through, you know, to think that the emotions that we have are just ours, you know, and you can't, no other species can experience that, you know, for us, that's not anthropomorphism. That's just being stupid. Um, You know, they, Mm. science shows the size of their brains, the different parts of their brains, they have deeper feelings than we do, you know, their emotions, their, the part of their brain that processes emotions is larger than ours. You know, it's not just, seeing them and thinking they're these, you know, big emotional beings, it's backed by science. And I think that being able to make that connection makes a difference for a lot of people. <laughs> Go ahead, back to her question. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what happens with elephant conversations. You know, there's, there's so many pieces to it. And, and I know. You know I feel like I'm hurting fleas. This is episode two, Nadia. Uh, you know, we have... A lot of episodes ago, there's so much to talk about and there's so much to dive into and and it isn't linear as as we're talking about with the recovery also. The journey to sanctuary isn't linear. The journey to South America wasn't linear. And the journey, the, the, the what is needed for the recovery is profound and, and each one is so vastly different than the next. And, uh, you know, we've had this front row seat to be able to see the difference that sanctuary can make. And... That's mm. what drove us to carry forward into into Brazil, um, and to be again going on, on the side of transparency. In 2011, end of 2011, when we left the sanctuary in Tennessee, I told Cat, "No more elephants, <laughs> at least not now." You know, because there, there, you invest every ounce of your being into this life. That's exhausting, um, and and there's no way to turn it off. People say, "Hey, go go away from vacation." Well, that doesn't work. You know, you can't you can't turn off from yeah. that responsibility. It is a responsibility, financial responsibility, is a financial safety of the staff. It's a financial to protect the protect the individual elephants. Um, 
the messaging, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And you just, you can't turn off from it. Um, and because we grew so fast and we were breaking, you know, breaking the mold over and over and over again, starting with 110 acres and changing and growing to almost uh, 2,700 acres, you know, from, you know, possibly helping 20, uh, to helping four elephants to receiving 24 elephants, you know, and all the different elements. Wow. There's so much that happened in that time. Um, it was really hard to, honestly, it was hard to see what was happening before us. Uh, and I mm. admittedly lost a little bit of who I was and, and a little bit of my core because of that responsibility and, and, um, and didn't know how to rein myself back in to get good sound footing for my, for myself. Um, and when we stepped away from the sanctuary in Tennessee, I said, you know, we wanted a, a little bit of a quiet life for a short time. And, uh, of course, uh, within two months, uh, we got a call saying, "Hey, there's an elephant in elephant in Chile." We actually had talked to the folks about this elephant before. Uh, the sanctuary in Tennessee had supported a veterinarian going and visiting her um, in, in the circus, and there was a lawsuit to remove her from the circus. She had actually been confiscated legally, confiscated, but they didn't have a way anywhere to take her to. Uh, so she. This was Ramba then. Ramba was an elephant, the last circus elephant in Chile, uh, confiscated several years before, kept in the custody of the circus because they didn't have anywhere to send her to. Uh, they wanted her to send her to the sanctuary in Tennessee, but there's no way to assess her health. And we got a call um, just before Christmas of 2011, and they said, hey, you know, the judge is going to, you know, allow you to move, allow us to move this elephant, but he's going to give us one last chance. Are you available? And we said, sure. And we wrote a proposal for uh, what we needed or what we would need to do. And we said we would need 10 days uh, from start to finish. Uh, but that was, ideal was 10 days from the time we get there. And the day after Christmas, the judge ordered, you have 10 days starting now. Um, we were still in the United States. Uh, we got a phone call and they said, you know, we, we have a plane leaving Orlando in three hours. Can you get there? And I said, well, we're three hours from Orlando, so probably not. Uh, we have nothing packed, we have nothing. So quickly evolve things, move, move forward very quickly. Um, and we found ourselves in Chile and uh, we can do a whole episode just on Rama's rescue, uh, Rama's relocation of the circus. That's quite entertaining. It's actually. quite an ordeal. We will definitely uh, give this the time. It yeah, so we'll definitely be doing each individual elephant as well. But that was, you know, less than a couple months after leaving the sanctuary and thrown right back into this world of elephants. And uh, not a lot of people were available to be able to help this elephant leave the circus in the last chance to, last, last chance she, she had. Uh, so we never really got away from the elephant world. Um, we did nine to five jobs for a little while. We did. And after we actually, after we left Chile, actually while we were in Chile, we talked to Joyce and Petter. They are your co-founding uh, board members. Yep. Dr. Joyce Poole, uh, infamous uh, elephant ethologist and uh, researcher from, uh, from uh, has worked a lot with elephants in Africa, uh, and her husband and co-founder of Elephant Voices. Uh, they have in been instrumental in helping this project in Brazil move forward. So they asked us about the possibility of doing a feasibility study for sanctuary development in Brazil. Uh, at that point, again, we were not ready. I was not ready emotionally to jump into that level. Uh, we got ourselves grounded, got nine to five jobs, uh, working in a small town in North Carolina. And while we were there, uh, I remember working one day and I loved what I was doing, but as I was working one day and just felt like I was throwing away um, all the lessons that the elephants had bestowed on us 
and had given us and all the gifts that we had learned. And, and uh, it starts to feel empty and purposeless. I mean, having a nine to five job is nice and being able to go out and, you know, sleep in on weekends and stuff. What, what's a but, weekend? Um, but like you said, you know, the reality is that at some point you wake up and feel like all that they shared with you and all that they taught you is kind of being thrown in the garbage because there aren't a lot of people that do that kind of work. So then it feels pointless and useless what you're doing day to day and you start to have guilt issues and that's that. Yeah. Guilt is a good one. And, you know, especially when you see how much they have gone through um, and again, how much they shared with you and how much time they invested into our learning, you know, oh, our how much patience. <laughs> yeah. Because we had a lot to learn and, and that it's not, a, there's not a lot of folks that have had that type of experience and, and that type of that magnet, uh, that length of time and the spectrum of experience that those elephants shared with us within a couple of years, a uh, year and a half, maybe most, uh, most we had continued talking to Joyce and Petter continued working on this idea of doing a feasibility study for a sanctuary development in Brazil. Uh, we had tried to find funding to do a feasibility study, um, and that was actually really def- difficult to procure, which was surprising to us. Uh, when we asked for 15 organizations to give us $1,000 each so we could fund the trip to South America. 15 uh, large nonprofit organizations. That who we had have, worked with before, knew of our work. And have done elephant campaigns before. So why Brazil? If Rambo was in Chile, I didn't quite get that. Rambo was in Chile. She'd been confiscated by uh, by the government, but the zoo she they were still she was still in their care. So why Chile? Why why Brazil? Okay. So as we talked about before, there's multiple different layers that intertwine. <laughs> this is all these things are five episodes on their own. So we're trying to get through a lot of pieces. So there's definitely a lot of. Uh, uh, space being cut out of the middle of all this. So um, to answer that question, um, why Brazil? So there actually was initiative in Brazil to uh, help instill a national ban on performing elephants in Brazil. Um, oh. And that was in conjunction with that, Joyce and Petter said, it's not enough just to do the ban, you need a solution. Part of what pushed us forward to develop a global sanctuary for elephants was seeing these initiatives of trying to move elephants out of circuses, trying to establish legislation to prevent their, their elephants from traveling, uh, but without an alternative, was only going to create more dire situations. If the elephants aren't making a living on circus, the owners aren't going to want them. If the owners don't want them, where they're going to go, no. they're going to get chained up somewhere. They're going to get fought, and they're going to get forgotten. They're going to be get. They're going to start riding away. Um, and so Brazil wanted to. In Brazil, they wanted to start this initiative. Of the 50 elephants at the time uh, in South America, 35 of those were in in Brazil. Sorry, 50 elephants oh, in South America, okay. 35 of those were in Brazil. So being centrally located, ideal climate, uh, more politically stable, more financially stable than some neighboring countries. Uh, and with the vast majority of elephants, they were thinking, you know, what's the feasibility of developing a sanctuary in Brazil that could help receive, that could also receive elephants from throughout South America. Um, so Ramba being one of those. Uh, at the, early on, Ramba was supposed to go to the sanctuary in Tennessee. Uh, after she was moved from the circus, uh, she was supposed to go to the sanctuary in Tennessee. That didn't work out. Ramba was still in limbo with no solution. Uh, as we started looking for funding and had these 15 organizations that we approached, uh, and only two of them provide, provided a, a couple thousand dollars each. Uh, one, it was disheartening. And two, we realized if this is going to happen, we're going to have to find a different different approach. We're going to have to do it on our own. 
And uh, we have to, you know, show a stronger initiative on our part to get people, make people realize that this is not just a feasibility study. This is the first step of making a dream come true for elephants in South America. Uh, so with that, we, uh, we were not able to get the funding to do the, the feasibility study, but we started asking more questions, started digging deeper into what the scenario was, realizing there was no other alternative for Ramba. Ramba is stuck in her temporary home. We uh, getting video after video after video of elephants in South America. Some of the, some of the bands had already been put in place in Brazil. Um, elephants were being removed from the circuses and being isolated or sequestered in rural farms, being stuck on chains, uh, being spent in small zoos that didn't have a home. I didn't have any expertise at all. Um, had no other, no space really. You're talking, you know, a couple hundred um, couple hundred square meters. You know, a thousand square feet at the most. And, you know, just situations that were completely inappropriate. So the initiative of, hey, let's take elephants off circus, great one. But without a solution, these elephants were going to be further compromised. Their fear, the fear that Joyce and Petra had was coming into reality as these initiatives, the, the, these uh, local bands were taking place. Now they were talking about the national band was, and with the national band, that was just going to amplify the problem even further. Uh, guys, we have a rainstorm coming in. I don't know how the audio is going to be. Okay, so quite an unprecedented law decision in South America saying, or in Brazil saying, yes, we want the elephants out of circuses, and then where do you put them? And that's then we'll catch up next week and discuss then obviously how Global Sanctuary for Elephants was then founded to help these elephants, which were being confiscated, but had nowhere to go. You close your windows to stop the rain coming in. Uh, we'll get to You don't have windows yet. Oh, of course you've moved. The elephants, the elephant projects always come first. You know, Nadia, we want to thank you again. You know, there's, we know that it's sometimes to, so many different layers that we talked about in these stories. And, uh, you know, we'll try to put as many of those pieces together as you can. But, you know, as we go through this, if you have more questions and we have different uh, follow up episodes, we can definitely fill some of that uh, connective tissue, <laughs> you know, to fill in some of those blanks as each one of those things are really profound in what it took to make this happen. It wasn't, uh, again, far from linear uh, a pathway here. Uh, a lot of little bits and pieces to to make it all come come together. Yeah, great. Well, the idea is also to get your support, our supporters, and also new listeners. So we will be putting our email in the show notes, or Amy will be doing that for us. That is podcast at globalelephants.org. And we'll also be putting in the website, which is globalelephants.org, and everything will be in the show notes. So to all our listeners, thank you for listening to our second episode. And we look forward to hearing from you. And if you have any questions that uh, you'd like me to ask Kat and Scott, then yeah, feel free, drop us a line. And uh, yeah, thank you, Kat. Thank you, Scott. I won't say stay dry because I remember when I was with you in, in, in Brazil in October, um, the rain comes quickly and very fast. And sometimes you didn't even have time to put in your jacket, but um, I'm sure it'll be lovely warm rain. So yeah, have a lovely day. And uh, yeah, thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Take care. Thank you, Nadia. It's our pleasure. Okay, bye. Catch up next week. Take care. Bye-bye.